Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. We'd like to thank W.J. Pierce for creating and performing our music. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Thorn and Cross Haunted Nights Live. Uh, we're your hosts, uh, Alistair Cross and Tamara Thorne. Thank you for joining us. Before we introduce tonight's guest, uh, here's Tamara to tell you what we're working on now. Yeah, we're, well, not what we're working on, what we just finished. Um, we both have new solos coming out. In fact, mine went on sale a few days ago. It's called Brimstone. And it takes place in 1968. The Brimstone Grand Hotel, owned by reclusive former movie star Delilah Devine, looms high on Hospital Hill, harboring long-buried family secrets that whisper of unimaginable horrors, horrors that will echo down through generations. Within the walls of the Brimstone Grand, the past has come back to life, and Holly Tremaine and her grandmother Delilah are faced with an ancient familial evil that rages just below the old hotel's serene facade, an evil that won't rest until it possesses Holly, body, mind, and soul. Now, Alistair's new release, coming next in a couple of weeks, I guess, uh, The Silver Dagger, is book two in the Vampires of Crimson Coast series, and it picks up where the first book, The Crimson Corset, leaves off. Life in Crimson Cove has been good to the Coulter brothers since Gretchen Van Treese was staked and her horde of vampires scattered. But when she, tries to, when she rises from the grave, the brothers are torn apart, their lives and the peace between them shattered. Meanwhile, a serial killer is stalking the little mountain town, leaving a trail of blood that leads to a truth Sheriff Ethan Hunter doesn't want to face. Um, uh, Nothing is safe. The forest of paths are the town for a new and unknowable evil has come to Crimson Cove and everyone, vampire and human alike, must come together in order to survive. Alistair. All right. Uh, the first book in that series is called The Crimson Corset, and that is available at Amazon now. And if you're a fan, uh, you can also check out its companion novel, Darling Girls, which is a Thorn and Cross collaboration. Uh, also, if you uh, are an ebook reader and you like cheap books, you can uh, check out uh, Sleep Savannah Sleep, which is a paranormal murder mystery on sale today for 99 cents in ebook uh, and through the 25th. All right, again, very quickly, you're listening to Thorn and Cross, Haunted Nights Live. You can learn more about what we do at our websites, alistaircross.com and tamarthorn.com. You can visit our mutual blog at thornandcross.wordpress.com, or if you tweet, our handle is at thornandcross. Uh, you can also visit our Haunted Nights Live page on Facebook. Uh, for more information on the show, you can visit Authors on the Air on Facebook, Twitter, and at authorsontheair.com. This is a network LLC. All right. Uh, tonight's guest, um, we received a, a book uh, called Fake Like Me, uh, a few not too long ago, and we're both uh, reading it. We're loving it. Uh, the author is uh, Barbara Borland. Uh, she's the author of the critically acclaimed "I'll Eat When I'm Dead," an Irish Independent Book of the Year. Uh, Borland is a former freelance writer and web producer for titles at Condé Nast and Hearst, among others. She lives in Baltimore with her husband and their dogs. 
Her second novel, the one I was telling you about, Fake Like Me, was written with the support of the Wasaic Project in Wasaic, New York, where Borland was a resident over the winter of 2017 through 2018. Uh, welcome to the show, Barbara. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, we're glad to have you. You are welcome. We are. We are. Um, I uh, One of my favorite things, we uh, uh, when we were... Uh, creating your show we go through and we look for pictures we you know for the little uh photo gallery and uh i i googled you and i came across some of your pictures you look to me just like someone who is a lot of fun i don't Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i think so i'm um i'm a super cynical person but that is also tempered by a small spark inside that's always trying to find the light in things so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that sounds yeah, right. I think I have a yeah. good time. Yeah. Well, oh. the book's fun. Yeah, you so. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> you do. Yes, you do. I was like, she looks really fun. And you know, there is a certain um, element of fun too in 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 your in your writing. It's uh, it's uh, not not in your face, but it's there, and and I like that. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, the book, the latest book, this is your second, your second novel, and it's called Fake Like Me. Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit uh, of, about what it's about? Yes, absolutely. Fake Like Me is the story of a young painter whose studio burns down the summer before she has kind of her biggest show ever, and she has to recreate some very large paintings, and she kind of scams her way into the private retreat of a group of artists in upstate New York. And uh, she's, they're artists that she's more than familiar with. They're a little bit older than her and she's looked up to them for a really long time. And when she gets to their retreat, she starts to dig around in their lives. um, And this does not turn out particularly well. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, that's that's sort of the easiest spoiler free summary. Um, But yeah, it is, you know, my first book, um, my first novel, I'll eat when I'm dead. I just want to say about the title, that is not a core belief of my own. That is a, a something that a very rich woman said in the New Yorker in 2011, <laughs> Daphne Guinness, who uh, is the heiress to the Guinness beer billions. And she's a bit older than I am. She's very, very stylish. And she was being interviewed by Rebecca Mead of the New Yorker while she was doing a photo shoot for German Vogue. And her assistant kept trying to get her to eat. And not even food. She was trying to get her <laughs> to have Red Bull or Ensure. And Daphne just said, I can't, I can't eat when I'm working. I'll eat when I'm dead. And at the time reading it, it really shocked me that a woman who I think at the time was probably in her forties or her fifties and has an incredibly strong fashion sense. She, she's a sort of walking work of art. Um, and obviously mm-hmm. she has billions of pounds and it amazed me that she um, still believes that the most important thing in the world is to be thin. And that the, you know, it, it just wow. it stunned me. It's, stunned me and it is um the amount of time we spend on our appearances is uh, uh, it's a very specific labor that women really really work on and that we're we're really pushed to work on um from sort of every yeah. corner of culture and um so anyway so my first novel so i'll eat when i'm dead takes its title from that and it is a murder mystery set at a fashion magazine um so it is both super glib and really fast paced, but it's also kind of every horrible joke that I could think of to kind of try to work out <laughs> an obsession with my own That's appearance. So and I, yeah, I didn't really mm-hmm. work it out to be honest with you. It's still there. 
Um, I don't know that anybody can really work it out. Any, it, it's very hard to do so, to live without thinking about your exterior. Um, and so right. uh, Fake Like Me is, um, it's a little, it's a bit, of, it's a slower book, um, mm-hmm. but it is, uh, it's also about kind of a young woman and her body and her body of work. Right. So it's sort of the same theme of, of women's bodies and women's labor. That's very so, topical so thing. How do you, yeah, yeah it, it is. It is. It is a very interesting. And you, you, I, I'm, I'm curious, you know, I mean, there, there is so much you're, you know, you're right. I mean, this, this, this pressure to be, to be perfect. And um, you really get a, a sense of that in, in, in your work. And I, is, is this something that you personally feel that you have um, um, battled excessively? I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's a huge, you, you, I think you guys know this is also a huge part of being a writer because you're alone. You know, you're working alone and you're working on something that has your name on it and belongs totally to you. And um, you feel very responsible for it. And also, I mean, that's this kind of particular job, but I mean, also late stage capitalism really silos off uh, workers from each other. Mm. You know, like we're not, none of us are in unions. Um, I heard on NPR earlier this year that 36% of the American workforce are now freelancers. That's not even hourly workers. Wow. That's people on a 1090. Yeah, bananas, right? That's bananas. Yeah, that's us. And yeah, yeah, and I think we all feel as our economy sort of becomes more and more and more fractured um, and corporations come into power and individuals lose their power, I think we all feel a sense of, of being responsible for a lot more than we would have been yeah. maybe 20 years ago. Right. Very good point. Right. No, it makes sense. It it is, and and it's true. I I I think it's true, and I think in some ways it's a it's a good thing. I mean, it it you know people are branching out in some ways, and in other ways it's uh, not 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 so good. Scary. Um, yeah. Yeah, it is scary. Yeah. You're you're writing. The one thing that I um I'm really struck by with your writing, which I really appreciate, is um your attention to detail is impeccable. Um, No, it's, it's very vivid. Yeah. It's very vivid. It's very uh, real. Um, uh, Do Mm -hmm. you, when, when you're, when you're writing a book, do you, do you, like what kind of research do you, you know, okay. For example, with uh, fake, what kind of research went into this? Yeah, it was years of it. I am, I will say I'm an artist. I'm a very bad artist. I'm not a, I'm a bad painter. I'm bad at drawing. I make, (laughs) terrible ceramics, but I make them. Um, I studied it as an undergraduate and it, and it continues in my life, but it is a, a non-commercial practice. And um, my, I'm married to an art historian who for the last several years was teaching at the oldest art school in America, the Maryland Institute College of Art or MICA. Oh. And mm-hmm. yeah, and he writes about contemporary art and he writes for magazines about contemporary art. So my husband is in studios a lot. And I was tagging along to studios with him. And there's so much, um, there's so much that happens in the artist studio. I think they're all kind of the same, basically. Like in the beginning, it's just kind of primer white walls and hopefully like a level floor and a good window and a slop sink. But the way that artists organize their materials, every room is different. Um, And I think that the magic of the studio is why so many people are drawn to the art world, just because you want to be around it. There's just something about hanging out in a studio that is, it feels like there's, you have no time and all the time in the world. It is, it, they're just kind of these magic spaces. 
And so when I start, and we have artists who live with us here in Baltimore um, who live in New York, but when they teach at MICA, they, they come in and there are pretend children for one night a week. And um, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I started, uh, gosh, I started writing this book. I was supposed to, I, I was, I tried to work on a sequel to my first novel and um, for whatever, for many reasons it didn't, wasn't good <laughs> and um, when I was having it's okay it's fine I didn't I never turned in pages I just said this isn't good and I I'm sorry but I try, I tried for a while to work on it and during the breaks of working on it I started working on this other book which fake like me begins with this this painter whose studio is burned down and she is uh, remaking a body of work in it um, it's a it was about the anxiety of making something twice which is kind of mm-hmm. how I felt right. about working on that sequel but um, using the textures of things that were around me. And then once it stopped being kind of like a, a, a thing I was playing around with and, and really moving into a manuscript, um, then I started very deliberately talking to the artists around me and going to studios. And for a while I was able to take, when Ian was teaching at Micah, I was able to take classes there for free. And I kind of, you know, I, I, I'm going to be 35 this year, but I don't get out in the sun a lot and I dress in a super juvenile way. So I roam the campus pretty, pretty freely. <laughs> and um, yeah, there was, I mean, there's so much, you know, part, I think the uh, mechanics of making anything I think are so interesting. Mm-hmm. And right, uh, right. when it comes, yeah, when it comes to art, I, there's so many ways that people choose to write about art. And, you know, my husband does something that's so different from what I do. He's a historian. He has a very specific kind of set of mandates for how he needs to talk about something, but, um, I don't even care. I don't even want to hear what the composition of a work is. I just want to know what it's made of. Cause I think, yeah, I mean, you know, you've been reading it. So you get what I'm saying. So much of the book is about the materials that she's using. Cause I think as, I think your imagination understands that better. If I were to say to you, mm-hmm. I saw this painting of a horse and it was so beautiful and I was so drawn to it. You'd be like, okay, fine. But if I were yeah. to say to you, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like, okay, sure. But if I was to say to you that I had gone, um, uh, to the museum yesterday, and I saw this painting that was like two inches thick, and it was beeswax and pine resin, and it was like kind of murky and glowing. I think you would be like, "Oh wow, that sounds gross and also amazing." You know, you'd understand, <laughs> right? Yes, and we'd have many yeah. questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so that's why there's so much of the material process in there because I think compositional description is boring, and it's it doesn't um, you don't feel anything. I don't, I don't feel anything anyway. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, well, you do well, a fine job. Yeah, no, you do, you do. This is, yeah, no, this is fantastic. So I'm curious what uh, you, so this is your second book. You, uh, what made you decide you wanted to, to, to be a writer? It's such a, and we know we're, we're just, this is just one of the questions we like to ask. <laughs> uh, it's such a difficult mm-hmm. field though. It's such an unsteady, difficult field and uh i'm always curious what um uh, compelled different writers to say that's what they wanted to do so for you how would you answer that question well it was definitely not a choice i think i spent all of my 20s working as as different varieties of peon at a bunch of really big media companies (laughs) and then Mm -hmm. which you know i mean i learned a lot but it was also weirdly demoralizing in a lot of ways and um when we moved to Baltimore, I could have kind of kept commuting up to New York or, or tried to, I had worked for a 
TV network that uh, was owned by another one outside of DC. I guess I could have tried to commute there, but I just, I'd had this idea for my first book and it kept nagging at me and nagging at me and nagging at me. And I just, um, I thought that if I didn't try to write it, that I, I, I didn't, I just, it felt like a thing that I absolutely had to do. And so for my first right. novel, yeah, I, I said, okay, well, I'll take a year and I'll try to write this. And I wrote it and then I sold it. And then I wrote the next one and then and, and it's kind of gone on from there. So, That's yeah. Fantastic. And what do you, what do you, what do you hope uh, people take away from your work? Like, like uh, when somebody finishes um, fake like me or I'll eat when I'm dead or, you know, maybe it's different from book to book. I don't, I don't know. Um, what do you hope? How do you hope it well, affects them? Yeah, I think it you know kind of depends on the person. If it's someone that feels um, seen in the book, I I or that they see themselves in the book, I hope that they feel way less alone because I you know the 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 hard work of what it is to be kind of an individual toiling on your own again in, in a very complex global financial system is um, we have to talk to each other about it, and so for the readers that kind of automatically feel sympathy. I want them to feel comforted. And then for readers for whom the language of misogyny and sexism means that their assumptions about women have maybe been upended, you know, that's what I, that's what I Mm -hmm. hope would happen there. Women who are concerned about their appearance aren't frivolous. They're practical. Um, And artists who are concerned about making a living aren't flighty narcissists. They're, they're people with a talent who are just trying to, to figure out how to get through to the next week. You know, it's not a, it's not a romantic myth per se. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it. Is that, is that a good answer? I think that's a fantastic answer. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fantastic (laughs) answer. No, seriously. I love it. I love it. And you know, I got I got to say, um, as someone who is in the middle of reading this book, it is eye opening in those ways. It really is. It's a interesting, it's something that, you know, I, as a guy don't, don't, uh, experience in the same way and so this is really it's 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 very interesting it's very um uh eye-opening so i would say that um you're succeeding and congratulations on that so <laughs> thank that's you fantastic. thank you that's nice yeah. to hear yeah and i love learning yeah, no, things fantastic. when i'm reading and, and yes. you make it very easy yeah good yes, good exactly. I'm, I'm glad yes. that's a, yeah it's a fine line it's hard right anytime you want to kind of go mm-hmm. in depth on a topic it's really difficult to bring the reader along with you, but then maybe also satisfy a reader who, who comes to the book with a similar level of knowledge. So right. I, yeah, yeah that, I tried to walk that line. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So before, before we let you go, um, can you tell us what's next? Is there anything in the pipeline? Yeah. I'm in revisions on my next book and um, it doesn't have a title and it doesn't have a tagline yet. So I don't have anything okay. more to say on it other than I'm trying to make it better <laughs> at this moment. When I, when I know, when I know more, I'll, I'll put it on my website or whatever. Um, All right. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm moving forward. So I'll have more on that soon. All right. Well, I hope that when it, when you're finished and, and you sell it, which you inevitably will. And uh, when it, you know, when it's out there, I hope that you will contact us and uh, let us know and we will get you on and we'll talk about that one too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you'll be on my galley list. All right. Okay. All right. Well, well, thank and, you so uh, much for in, having me. Yeah. Ab- yeah. Absolutely. Can, before we before we yeah. let you go, very quickly, can you can you tell the listeners where they can uh, go to find out more about you and your work? 
Sure. I have a website. It's barbaraborland.com. It's B-O-U-R-L-A-N-D. And I'm on Instagram at Babs Borland, B-A-B-S. I'm okay on Instagram. Um, I'm also technically on Twitter. It's not very entertaining, so I wouldn't follow you. Oh, I know. And, um, and I'm I not, agree. yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know how to do it. I don't care. Uh, and I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> Sorry, can't do it. Okay. But oh, this uh, is on Instagram, you can see pictures of my two enormous dogs. So, All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for being on. I hope you have a great yeah. night and congratulations on the, yeah. on the release and we're loving it and uh, good luck in your in future endeavors. Thank you so Absolutely. much. It was a pleasure to talk to you and uh, okay. Bye. Uh, okay. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, this is Thorn and Cross, Haunted Nights Live. We have been talking to Barbara Borland. Uh, her, new, her book, Fake Like Me, is out now. It's fantastic. We recommend it. And thank you for listening. Until next week, we wish you haunted nights. And sweet screams. <laughs> thank you for listening. Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. Yeah.